Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles. I'm just going to, we're going to read the same set of scriptures, but we're going to look at uh, Matthew's version, Mark's version, and Luke's version. So why don't you do this? Go to Matthew chapter 9, and then put your finger in Mark 5, okay? Matthew chapter 9, Mark 5, and then we'll, we'll move on to Luke. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the woman with the issue of blood. Now remember, I want to point something out that we've said several times, and that is that the Word of God, okay, every Word of God is filled with power, right? It is filled with the life of God. Everybody look at me for just a moment. Don't, don't read your Bible, okay? But I'm encouraging you, don't let go of some of the other things we've talked about. Don't look at this as, okay, now we're going to look at the woman of the issue of blood. What are we reading here? We're reading the words of God, okay? And in those words are life. In those words are the Spirit. In those words are what I need to develop in me the faith to be able to receive my healing, to walk in health, right? Remember, those words that we get into, those words, Jesus, the Word of God says in Proverbs 4, are life and health to us. So as we look at this, as we absorb the Word of God, as we dig into it, it, something is starting, right? Remember, words are seeds, right? The Word of God's are seeds. And so what we're going to do is we're going to plant the seed of the Word and healing in our heart tonight. And what I would encourage you to do is continue to water it. How do you continue to water it? Listen to it over and over. Read it over and over. Confess it over and over. And you're watering it. And I'm telling you guys, that takes you one step closer to walking in the health you really truly desire in every area of your life. But it all starts with something simple like this. So again, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew's account starts with verse 20. Matthew 9, 20. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. Of course, talking about Jesus. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Notice the words, I shall be made well. She didn't say, I might be made well, did she? Shall Listen to me, shall is the strongest word we have in the English language. Shall is committed. Shall is, it's done, okay? I shall be made well. Verse 22, but Jesus turned around when she did this, and when he saw her, he had said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Whose faith? Her faith, okay? Her faith made you well, or in this case, made her well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now let's go over to Mark chapter 5. While you're looking for Mark chapter 5, go to Luke chapter 8. I mean, don't go, but Mark, Luke chapter 8. So we're going to read Mark 5 and pull up Luke chapter 8. Now Mark and Luke give a lot more detail. Um, Mark gives a considerable amount of detail. Luke if you're not aware, is a physician. And uh, he's a very educated man. And most of the time in Luke's accounts, you find a lot of detail. But same thing with Mark in a lot of cases. And in Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 24. So Jesus went with him, 
and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So I want you to get this picture. There are hundreds of people, okay, swallowing Jesus up, so to speak, as he is heading. Remember, where is he heading? Remember the, the man with the daughter, Jairus' daughter? She's involved in this, and, and he came to get Jesus, and Jesus is going back with him, remember? And so um, that's where we're at. Verse 25. Now a certain woman on their way, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. How many would agree that's a long time? 12 years she had this problem. And had suffered many things from many physicians. So in other words, she had tried everything that a doctor could think of. I mean, she had exhausted what um, doctors of that day had to offer. And if you'll continue reading, it says she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So what's her condition? Think about this with me for a moment. The woman has had this sickness, this disease, what you want to call it, for 12 years now. She is completely broke. She has spent every single amount of money that she had to try to get well. Everything that doctors tried failed. Everything. And the Bible says here, not only did she spend all she had, but now she's worse than she was when she started. In other words, things are getting worse. How many would agree this is a dire situation for this woman? This is a very difficult situation. And what I want you to do is try to see things from her perspective. This is bad. I mean, 12 long years dealing with this situation. Sometimes we whine because we're uncomfortable for a week or two weeks or even a year. 12 years this woman has been dealing with this. And she's no better. She's worse now. In verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, praise God for that, amen. How does faith come? She heard, right? She heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you. In other words, there's people pressing you everywhere. Hundreds of people are touching you. And you say, Who touched me? I mean, he wasn't being a wise guy, but he was saying, Come on, Jesus. There's hundreds of people pushing you and touching you right now. And verse 32 And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Again, whose faith? Her faith. Her faith. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now let's look at Luke's account. Uh, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. You'll notice when you, when you do this, when you cross-reference Scripture with, with the Gospels, you really see different points of view almost, different angles, and there's always something added to it from one to the other. All right, Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 43 through 48. Now a woman 
having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with them said, Master, the multitude throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. In other words, what was he saying? Somebody did something that the rest of the crowd is not doing. Somebody touched me. In other words, there were a bunch of people touching him, but there's a particular one that touched him. Because he says here, For I perceive power going out from me. In other words, he felt something happened to him. In other words, somebody touched him and literally drew the power of God right out of him. He doesn't know who it is, but he knows someone did something. Verse 47, Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Now I want to point out something. Why did the woman hide herself? Why did the woman hide herself? Well, because technically she was unclean, and we'll get to that in a moment, but that's why she was hiding. She wasn't afraid of Jesus, but she was technically breaking the law, okay, doing what she was doing. Verse 48, Jesus' response, he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I want you to notice that in each each instance, each um, gospel instance, each of the disciples pointed out that Jesus said her faith made her well. When the Holy Spirit, again, points something out specific, we should have a little flag go up in our thinking that that's important. That is very, very important. Because how many times do people put all their faith in the Lord in respect to, well, if God wants me healed, He'll heal me. You know, If God wants me well, He'll take care of it. Well, He already did through Christ, but it's our job to be able to, by faith, receive that healing. What's another word for receive? I've taught you this. Take. Everybody say take. So in other words, take means I take it. I take what belongs to me. Jesus paid for your healing. The Bible says that you have been redeemed from, right? From sickness and disease. From it. The price has already been paid in the mind of God. You are already healed and whole. It's already available. All of it's already done, but you have to do your part to take it, to bring it in from that spiritual realm into the realm of reality. And the realm of reality is where I live, my physical body. All right? So we reach out in faith according to the word and we pull that in by faith. In other words, I believe I receive doesn't matter what I see, doesn't matter how I feel, what do I do? I believe his word. I believe what he said. And we develop that faith and pull that into our lives. And so let's look in this uh, area here and kind of examine it some. First of all, I want to point out again, the woman stepped out in faith to receive her healing. All right, It was on her. Jesus had the power, but she had to receive the power. Or, in other words, she had to take the power. She swam upstream against the forces of negativity. 
against circumstances, negative circumstances. Everything was against her. Think about it. She lost everything that she had. She's financially busted, okay? She's got nothing left. In other words, this is the end of it all. If this doesn't work, she just bleeds until she dies, I guess. It's over with. Well, the fact is, when we consider this woman who's been having this bleeding problem for 12 years, according to the law, a woman who was bleeding like this was considered ceremonially unclean. In other words, anything she sat on, anything she touched, anything she slept on was considered unclean. According to the Bible, she had to remain separated from friends and family. So in other words, this disease wasn't just impacting her um, in the sense that she's lost all her money and she's not feeling well and she's drained, um, all those things, and, but it's actually impacting her social life. She's got none, basically. She's been separated. She can't just jump in a crowd. She can't just go out for dinner. She can't just be around people. All right. This is very important for us to understand because it really gives us a picture. She had to be alone. She didn't have a lot of uh, touch or social interaction if any at all. And uh, that is something that we would have a hard time relating to. I think of the many people that I've dealt with that have spent a lot of time, for example, in a hospital room. Or maybe they were sick and they were at home, but they've dealt with it for a long, long time. You know, what can happen when you deal with something for a very, very long time? It can get old. You can get tired. You can begin to see things that nothing is going to change, that I'm never going to be able to be normal again. I'm never going to be able to experience life again. Think about the situations you've been in where, um, you know, you might be going through a financial hard time. How many of you know it, it's hard to see the light when you're going through the difficulty? It, it's hard to stay positive and in faith when you're in the middle of that challenge. Well, in other words, if you had a, most of us have not experienced this, but someone that maybe is going through an immense amount of pain day in, day out. The pain is never stopping. It's easy for us to say, come on, man, just talk faith, you know. But I'm not in their shoes. I'm not having to deal with that all the time. I mean, always nagging me. I'm never comfortable. I can never sleep hardly. It's always there. It's easy again to say, come on. But the reality is in those situations, people can get hopeless and not see that there's anything that could change. This woman, I would think, would be right in the middle of that. That's how I picture it. The Bible says she spent all her financial resources on trying to get well. Doctors can't help her. So here's her state. She's lonely, desperate, weak, tired, broke, and there's no natural hope of change. This is where she's at. In other words, nothing in this world can offer her any change, any, any hope, any recovery, so to speak. What do a lot of people go through when they get in that kind of situation? What's, what's something they might entertain? Suicide. I mean suicide. I'm just going to end this thing. I'm tired of living this way. Little do they know, especially someone who's an unbeliever, that suicide's not a good answer. <laughs> you may be going through, I don't care what you're going through now, it is not anywhere near eternal anything, right? 
And they know, I mean, like, can you imagine someone thinking they're helping themselves and this locked themselves in hell? I mean, man, I tell you, that's why we need to be alert to prayer. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to use us. You know, there are many, many people, I'm sure, that have the thought of suicide and don't actually go through with it um, that maybe were due to the prayers of other believers and they didn't even know who they were praying for. I think that we see an uptick in that, you know, suicides, especially when you get near seasonal things like Christmas. Isn't that sad that when we get near Christmas, more people, why? Because they realize all the more they don't have anybody. Now, is it really true that somebody doesn't have anybody? Certainly, if you knew that, you'd get in the middle of it, wouldn't you? Right? Any one of us would. But the thing is, we have to be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to be able to be used by the Lord, whether it be prayer and or action, doing something about it. Amen? None of us would let someone commit suicide, no matter who they were, if we could make a difference. Well, I really do believe the Lord wants to use us that way. Amen? I don't know why I told you all that, but it's there. you know. But the fact is, I am sure that occurred to this woman. So in the middle of all this, in the middle of no hope at all, she hears about Jesus. That's the good news. Hope began to light up in her thoughts, and I'm sure she thought, maybe Jesus can heal me. The Bible tells us, and we all know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. So she began to hear stories about Jesus. Obviously, they were stories because guess what? She wasn't out in the crowd, and I don't know if you're aware of it, but they didn't have TV and radio back 2,000 years ago. (laughs) In other words, there was no other form of communication other than whatever crude type of newspaper thing they had or something that you might get some information most information was what passed down spoken just passed down well apparently she must have had a couple of friends um, because somebody was speaking to her she was hearing things and she's not allowed to mix and mingle so somebody was helping her by getting the these stories to her and she began to hear about what jesus was doing that he went about doing good and he's healing all that are those who are oppressed to the devil. She heard about the lame and the blind and the maimed being healed and made whole. Well, these stories began to stir up something in her. In other words, I'm sure in her thought life, um, hope began to light up a little bit. That maybe it doesn't have to be this way. And as she did this, and she began to hear more and more stories, her faith is growing and developing And she began to do something that is very, very important. She said to herself, If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Now she made this confession, so to speak. She she created this in declaring what she believed. She heard the word of God, and she began to say with her mouth what she believed. Okay, the Bible tells us that we are to, we believe, therefore we speak. Okay, now little did she probably know that that confession she created and she began to repeat was the thing that the catalyst that would really change things in her life. The Bible says in the Amplified that she kept saying, if you're taking notes, I'd write that down. She kept saying. In fact, say that with me. She kept saying. Say it again. She kept saying. That is very, very, very important. In other words, she was confessing this with her mouth consistently. 
She's saying with her mouth what she believed. She knew Jesus could heal, and so she's saying, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Now, there's a whole other message to the whole hem of his garment thing. Okay, that's a whole other thing. But the fact is, what difference if she would have said, if I could just touch his ankle, would it have made any difference? If I could just touch his finger, if I could just... In other words, she could have touched anything. That was just a point of contact. But she said, from what she knew, uh, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment and I shall be made whole. When I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to get to it, I shall be made whole. She said this over and over and over and over and over. Now, what's happening? Faith is what? Increasing, right? It's, in other words, she's kind of sowing the word of God, that word seed in her heart, and it's increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Now, again, she's saying this and saying this and saying this, and faith is building up, but there's another element to faith. You have to act on what you believe. So the day comes when she hears from someone, Jesus is coming to town. He is coming through and not far from her area. And I imagine she instantly began to make plans in her mind, picturing herself reaching out, touching the hem of his garment, and her being made well. So what she does is she makes plans to do this, and the amazing part is, guys, it, she is risking everything. She has already lost everything, and I guess in her mind, what else do I got to lose? So they stone me. In other words, at least I'll be dead then and I won't feel this way anymore, maybe. In other words, she laid it all down the line. I don't think the woman wanted to die. I think she wanted to be healed, this evident. But the fact is, she literally risked her life stepping out of her home and pressing into that crowd because that crowd is exactly where she was not supposed to be. It was literally against the law at the time. And so she risked everything and forces her way through the crowds. Because remember, there are crowds of people, right? Remember? I mean, Jesus, who touched me? And there's just hundreds, maybe thousands of people pressing in, trying to get to Jesus. Now this woman, think about it. How many would agree she's weak? I mean, she is weak. So she must have mustered up everything that she had, and she was determined to reach him, to get to him, to touch the hem of his garment. So the Bible says she pressed through the crowd. She wouldn't give up. Faith requires an action, okay? So in other words, she had the faith, but it still must be released. It must be acted upon. So she presses in, and she continued, I'm sure, to say what she believed. And again, now she's acting on it. She finally makes it to Jesus, touches the hem of his garment, and the Bible says instantly she recognized something is going on in me. I mean, she touches him, and boom, something goes into action. Now, we know something went into action because Jesus responded to it. All right. Now, Jesus had no idea. Sometimes we like to think, well, Jesus is God. Doesn't he know everything? Well, Jesus was a man or a person like you and me on the earth. And so even though he was the Son of God, he was a person like you and me. He had to hear God. Remember, God is a spirit. How do you confer with God? 
Not through your flesh, but the Spirit, okay? Well, a flesh touched him. (laughs) Flesh is all around him. He doesn't know who touched him. He literally doesn't know. But he just knows this, power went out from me. Or you might read in King James, virtue went out from me, all right? So he recognizes this after she does it. And let's look at Luke chapter 8. Go with me back to Luke chapter 8. Just stay there. I really, really like this. Because <laughs> you think about her touch. He, she said with her mouth and acted on it. And the moment she touched the hem of his garment, the power of God went into action in her. She knew she was healed. But at the same time, Jesus was aware something happened. Power with true. In other words, I've laid hands on many people over the years. And if someone is making a real faith demand, what I mean is they are, they are believing God. For example, when Pastor or, or, or at one point just Ken would have laid hands on me that the power of God would go through me to them. Okay, In other words, I am just the conduit. I'm not the healer. Okay, They put their faith that when hands are going to be laid on me, that the power of God is going to action. There are many times when I can lay my hands on you or, or someone and I get nothing. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel anything. There are other times um, I have laid hands on someone and by faith I was able to release the life of God. And I could sense the moment I decided that and I said it with my mouth, I could sense the power of God going through me into them. To describe that, I don't know. It almost feels like electricity to me. It almost feels, I don't know how else to describe that. Some people would describe it as a warm feeling. Sometimes it is like that. But to me, most of it, just, it I can just feel it going through me and touching them. And the, re, the reason it might be coming out my hand is because that's the part that's touching them. Okay, And I can feel it go out. Other times, somebody can come to me, and they're the ones that are making the pull. And so the moment I get near, I can just sense the power of God coming out of me into them. Well, Jesus had to have sensed as he's going along, and he's quite distracted. How many would agree? I mean, there's all kinds of people, and he's got the disciples trying to, to probably push off people so Jesus is just not trampled and, you know, and crushed underneath it all. They're moving him through. Well, At that moment, the woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment. Instantly, he recognizes powers there. It's not this, um, he's God and he knows that, okay? It's he sensed power withdrawing from him, and it was different than everything else. He immediately said it was more of a spiritual thing, okay? He sensed that, and he turns around, and he's looking for her. But I'm telling you what, guys, her faith withdrew that power. That's what I'm trying to get across. Her faith reached in from this natural realm, reached in the spirit realm, and pulled back what she needed right through Jesus. And we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. But we've got to do what she did. So let's look here. Luke chapter 8, verses 45 and 46. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng you and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. I love that. Somebody touched me. 
Somebody used their faith, in other words. Somebody pulled the power of God right through me to them. He doesn't even know what it's for. He, he just knows I'm interested. I want to know. In other words, somebody here did something that the rest of the group's not doing. All right? Now, she confesses. If we go to verse 47 and 48. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, remember, it was what? Against the law for her to do all this. So she's kind of shy about it, okay? Even though she's healed. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. You know, our faith, guys, our faith can make us well. Our faith. We can do the same thing. We don't have to have Jesus here physically to go ahead and pull the power of God. Amen? We can use our faith and reach out to that unseen realm and pull what we need into this realm. This woman can inspire our faith to reach out, like I said, and literally pull the healing power of God into our physical body. How many of you know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If she could do it then, then we can do it now. That's why the story's there, to encourage us, to challenge us, to show us this is how we can get our healing. But we have to do what she did. That same healing power is still available. In other words, your faith, as I mentioned, can work in the same way. So there's four things I want to point out, okay, that she did in the process of receiving her healing. Number one, she spoke. She spoke. The Bible says we believe, therefore we speak. In other words, agree with the word, not just in thought only, but in words. Say what God says about you and your situation. Don't say the negative things. Don't talk about how it's not working and what you need to be changed. Begin to say what God says about your situation. Well, what does God say about us and our healing? That by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. That's what he says. There are many scriptures throughout the word of God that we need to say what God says about us. The thing that you want to note about her is she continually said. In other words, the Bible says she kept saying. She didn't say this once. She didn't say this twice. For all we know, guys, she could have said it a thousand times. Maybe ten thousand. Who knows? But the key is this. Keep saying it. Keep saying saying it. Now, what are you doing when you're speaking the Word of God? Well, one is you're increasing your faith and you're setting it up even if you didn't believe it to begin with. You know, you don't have to believe. Let me split it this way. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the Word of God, right? The principle is faith comes by hearing and hearing, okay? Sometimes Christians are afraid to admit, especially in our circles, that they don't have faith for something right off the bat. In other words, can we believe the Word of God but not necessarily have faith in the Word of God? Now, I want you to stop and think about that because I've already seen puzzled looks on your faces. Is believing in faith the same thing? 
It's not. It's not. Now, it can combine, right? But I can believe a lot. Of, I can believe everything the Word of God has to say. That doesn't mean I have faith for it, right? What is faith? Faith is a spiritual force that is increased by hearing the Word of God. It's not the same as believing. Do you get it? I mean, believe, how many believe God is God? How many believe that every word of God is there because that's what he wanted there? I absolutely believe that. But let me ask you this. How many guys um, believe that God wants to meet all of our needs? How many believe that he wants you to be able to support the gospel, right? How many of you believe that you can give $100,000 into the ministry next year? Oh, all of a sudden you slowed down. Now, do you see the difference between faith and believing? Just because I believe the Word of God doesn't mean I have faith in that particular area. Faith is like a muscle. I use it. Faith is like gasoline in a car. I increase and I grow, and it allows me to go a distance. It allows me to do certain things, right? It allows me to get where I need to go. But guess what? What happens eventually if I don't keep on filling the tank up with gas? I'm going to run out. Can I run out of faith? Absolutely. But can I run out of believing? Believing's a choice, guys. Do you see the difference? You know why we get into trouble when someone says, I'm believing God for that. And we don't quite understand. Well, what do you mean you're believing God for that? You know, well, I can believe God's word. That doesn't necessarily mean I have faith to see that in full manifestation yet. Why did this woman have the faith the moment she heard about Jesus to get her healing? I believe that her faith increased and developed when she kept saying. When she kept saying. What I'm trying to say is this. Let, let, me, let me put it another way. Let's say someone has, high, we'll say high blood pressure, okay? Very common thing. Um, we could have said diabetes. We could have said a number of things, but let's just say high blood pressure. Let's say they have high blood pressure, and they just walked into the church, and they had been born again. They come from a different background. They didn't really minister healing like we do, that kind of thing. And they begin to hear from what we're talking about that life doesn't have to be that way, right? That they have been redeemed. Have they been redeemed from high blood pressure, right? So they come in. Now, does that person believe God? Yeah, they believe in God. They're born again. They believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. But what they haven't done is develop their faith in a particular area. So I could start them off by saying this. And this is what I would tell someone, okay? Actually, let's get rid of the blood pressure thing. Let's say they want to quit smoking cigarettes, okay? Let's do that. That's a little bit, because this is something all of us can relate to. All right. Anybody got anything you need to quit? (laughs) I mean, there's something in your life you probably should quit, all right? But let, let's say c- cigarettes, okay? person comes in, and they say, well, pastor, I don't really want to smoke anymore. And many of you have been there, okay? I, I don't want to smoke anymore, but, man, that thing's got me. I mean, every time I, I mean, I have, many of you can understand at times in the past, there was many times I tried to quit. <laughs> there were times I wanted to quit, and then I go right back into it. 
something would set me off and I go right back into it. And so this is what I would tell that person. They believe that God can help them with anything, okay? Just like you would. But they haven't developed their faith yet to believe that God could help them fully be set free from cigarettes. So how do I help them develop their faith to do that? Well, what I do is I can share a couple of scriptures with, you know, with them in the Word of God. And what I would do is say, this is the key. Okay, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. Even if I don't believe it, they might say, but I don't believe it. I'd say, I want you to say this, but I don't believe it, preacher. I want you to say that the Lord has set me free from cigarette smoking. I, de- I don't desire to s- smoke cigarettes, and I'm completely free from smoking cigarettes. And they'd say, but pastor, I, I don't believe that. I, I want a cigarette right now. <laughs> in fact, if you would close the service, the first thing I do when I got in my car and I got away from the church so people couldn't smell me, I would light a cigarette up. Now, my response would be, that's fine. Go ahead and light it up. Now, here's what I would tell them, though. I want you to say, okay, remember, we want to build their faith. I want them to say, I might say, here's the scripture, okay, so I want you to quote this scripture. And then I want you to say, the Lord has set me free from smoking. I have no desire to smoke. I am completely free from smoking. And then they would say again, yes, but you don't understand, Pastor. I want a cigarette. (laughs) I would say again, just say that. Are you guys getting where I'm going with this? Just say it. Even if you don't believe it yet. Even if you don't have faith in it yet. Just keep saying it. How does faith come? So by hearing and hearing. So if they keep on saying it, and they keep on saying it, and they keep on saying it, and they and I would just tell them, when you light up, quit focusing on the quitting part and just focus on the word. Keep focus on what you're saying, and they'll light up. And I said, when you start to light the cigarette, when you put it out, say it again. In between, say it. Every time you want a cigarette, say it. But just keep on smoking. Don't try to stop it that way. But keep on saying it. One of these days. One of these days, all of a sudden, faith will come to a certain point that they will believe in their heart and say with their mouth, the Lord has set me free from smoking. I have no desire to smoke. I don't want to smoke. And all of a sudden, they'll pull it up out of habit. I don't want it. I don't want it. And they're free. But how did they get there? When they started saying it, They didn't necessarily believe it. And see, that's what I'm trying to get across to all of you, is that you've got to start somewhere. And if you keep on developing and you keep on saying and you keep on saying and you keep on saying, eventually your faith will come to the point that you will say with your mouth and believe in your heart. But don't assume just because you said it three times, you believe it in your heart. Because if you believe it in your heart, why are you still dealing with the problem? The word always works. But see, many times we think just because we're in church and we hear the word of faith, just because we read our Bible some, just because we said a few confessions or sing a few songs, that we are men of faith and power. You've been hearing what I've been saying on Sunday mornings, haven't you? It's developed. It's developed. You just keep on sowing that seed. You keep on speaking it. You keep on doing it. You keep on. Eventually, you'll get to the point that you really do believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. That's why it's important that we confess what God says about us over and over. Not once a day, just every time we think about it, over and over and over and over and over. And eventually, we'll get to the point 
that that one time we release it, we really do believe it in our heart. You know, I shared that story about Lisa. That's an excellent illustration. Remember I told you where she went through a period of time where she had these severe pains. She'd wake up in the middle of the night, and she would describe it like a knife just shoved up her back and being moved around. I mean, she'd just cry out. She'd be in tears. I mean, and it was nothing I could do about it. I mean, I'd pray for her. I would do things, and things would settle down, but it wouldn't go away. We went to the doctors. We went to this. We went to that, and they just they couldn't find anything. And yet, my wife, who's not, she's not looking for attention, trust me, okay, it's not the way she is, she'd wake up milling that just horrible pain, or just right in the middle of doing something, and she'd just bend over and just, you know, and tears would start coming out her eyes, and it just hurt that bad. And she's not a complainer and a whiner. My wife's a hard worker. She's just not that way. And we, no matter what we would do, nothing was changing anything. Well, Finally, one day, I went to a camp meeting back when they used to hold them uh, downtown. And when I was there, I was out there looking at their books and stuff, and I found a book. um, And I don't know why I was drawn to it, but it was um, uh, Healed of Cancer by Dodie Osteen. And uh, it's just a small little book, and it's her testimony about being healed of cancer. And... uh, I don't know why I did it. I, I, I wasn't even thinking Lisa had cancer or anything, but I, I just felt led. I, I, I need to get that for Lisa. So Lisa is not, I'll be honest, I'm going to tell something on Lisa, okay? She's not a bookworm, okay? She's not, all right? Give her a magazine. She'll read her Bible, but she's not a bookworm, okay? She's not a person just to read books for the sake of reading books. And I, I mean, I do all the time, but she's just not that way. And, uh, she took that book. See, she was hungry. She was tired of being sick and tired. She took that book and just stayed up. I went to bed. She just stayed up for hours reading that book. And there was two particular confessions that Dodie Osteen had created that she spoke. And Lisa spoke them that night until she had them completely memorized. And then the next morning, Every single time I would hear Lisa, I would hear her by herself, like running around, maybe cleaning or something. I would hear those confessions coming out of her mouth. She was just always, 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 always spouting them off, always spouting them off, always spouting them off. She did this, and the pain still continued. She still had the issues. She'd wake up at the middle of the night two or three times and screaming out. But she did, and then the minute it would happen, she'd start, those words would come out of her mouth, coming out of her mouth, coming out of her mouth. Well, I, I still remember like it was yesterday, where that old celebration station, and I mean that celebration station thing is in Tulsa. It used to be a Kmart across from the Woodland Hills Mall. And we were walking in with the kids, got out of the car, and I remember Lisa, um, the kids were young at the time, and she walked out, and she got to the back of the car, and she just screamed over. I mean, just, it was it's like somebody just kicked her real hard with a knife on the end of their boot. She just gets up tears, and she just blew up. I mean, she, you, you should have seen the anger on her face. And she said, I said, and she said that thing one last time. That was it. I knew right there in my spirit, she's done with this thing. What it was is her faith had grown, and she said with her mouth and believed with her heart. And once she believed in her heart, when she said with her mouth, that mountain had to move. She was so angry. I mean, it came out of what was it? It was like a holy anger. Like her faith had come to the point she knew and she said it. This is over. And her life never one time happened again. 
But see, we, we don't have to wait for a big pain in our body. We can deal with this on any level in anything we got going on. Amen? Whether it be the little pain in the back of the leg or the back that hurts all the time or the pain in the neck. And I don't mean your husband or wife. I mean, what I'm saying is anything. I don't care if it's blood pressure, diabetes, it's an eye. I don't care what it is. You take the Word of God and begin to say, and begin to say, and begin to say. So again, the four things she did. She spoke, right? Number two, she did something. She did something. Faith is an act. She acted on what she believed. In other words, her action lined up with her words and God's Word. She did something. Number three, she received her healing. She received it. Didn't she? The moment she said with her mouth, right, believed in her heart, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And the minute she did, the power of God went in. She received it. And number four, she shared it. Instantly, she gave her testimony. Now listen, her testimony is still being a blessing today. Think about that. And it is forever immortalized in the Word of God. That story is there for you and me so that we can simulate what she did. Always, always share with others what the Lord has done in your life. So she spoke it, she did something, she received it, and she shared it. Those four things. The fact is, again, our faith will work just like hers, but we've got to do what she did. And I think the two biggest things that we have an issue is we have no problem hearing sometimes if there's a CD to hear. Or there's something else. Where we fall apart is we are not consistently saying what God says about us. And if we would do that consistently, saying it, doing it, and when the opportunity to act on the word comes, act on it. And you will receive whatever it is. But you have to do your part. And a lot of the times we fall apart. Either we, I've said it and said it and said it and it's not working. I've actually had Christians come up to me and say that. Well, I tried and tried and tried, and it's not working. What do you get to say about that, preacher? You know? It's on your end. How many know God never fails? But see, you quit. Faith can't quit. Did that woman quit? Anybody under the, been under the pressure of what that woman was under? Nobody even close. She didn't quit. She even pressed through the crowd. I imagine that sapped all the energy that woman had. But once she got it, she got the reward, didn't she? Her faith worked, amen? She acted on what she believed, and it worked in her.